In this episode of the Boost Health Podcast, you will hear. So the breathing is key to joint health in our extremities. And so the idea is that you can intra-abdominally pressurize, create stability, communication to the brain, and the brain will allow the joint to move through a full range of motion safely. You know, one of our most important jobs as a fitness trainer is to help our clients establish enough knowledge and body awareness and confidence to perform these workouts if we're not there. If I'm a good trainer, I'm going to cue these things over and over and over again until I'm in your head, even when I'm not there. And she said, I, last year, there is no way I would have even walked in the weight room, but now I'm over there. I grab the dumbbells I need. I go to my bench. I do my setup. I realize the guys in that weight room care a lot less about what I'm doing than I used to think they did. Uh, and I get in and get out. Uh, a squat press with more weight than I've been, ever been able to do. Um, and, and it's the only variable that I've added is mobility. Nice. Find your balance. Find your balance. Find your balance. Searching for more wellness balance is our goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 34 of the show. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. On the Boost Health Podcast, we cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts and give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic and it surprised you in how well it worked? Well, those are what we are trying to uncover here. Thank you all so much for spreading the word about the show if you think someone might enjoy it. And please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast app and or on the Boost Health Facebook page. Q&A. If you want to ask a question to be answered on the show, just click on the green Ask Paul button. It's found on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. So here's the listener question for this episode. Hey, Paul, I saw you doing a band-assisted sit-up on Instagram recently. What was the purpose of that exercise? Well, the purpose of the assisted sit-up and any assisted exercise really is to help build up strength through the full range of motion of that particular movement until it's mastered enough to do without the assistance. Now I found that lots of folks and myself included have a few sticky spots where they lack strength in a full range of motion sit-up. The goal is to use just enough assistance to complete the eccentric or concentric part of the movement, depending on which direction you're going. And you go in a very slow and controlled fashion. Now, eventually, the body will adapt and enough strength and perhaps even mobility will be generated to complete it with no or very little assistance needed. 
Now you can see the video of this on the My Boost Health Instagram feed, or you can check it out on Boost Health TV on the YouTube page. I will link to both of these in the show notes and blog if you want to check it out. Again, if you have a question you want to hear answered on the show, just click the green Ask Paul button on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. Announcements. Since I would like to continue to bring really awesome guests and content to the show, I'm going to begin having sponsors advertise on the Boost Health podcast to generate some revenue. Now, rest assured, I'll be vetting out these sponsors, trying their products and services myself first to make sure they're good quality and promoting wellness. This way, it'll be a win for my listeners and also for Boost Health. And with that said, the sponsors for this show are Beyond the Line and Terramar. They are partnering in a super exciting event here in Hong Kong, a swim-run race. This event is on November 11th in Sai Kun, which is a beautiful area of Hong Kong. Now, swim-run, in case you're not familiar, is a multiple run-swim, run-swim race. It was born out of Sweden, and it's big in Europe. It attracts swimmers and triathletes, trail runners, and adventure racers alike. You may have actually heard about Rich Roll, a famous podcaster and ultra-athlete who did the Attilo Swim Run recently, which is the world championship of the sport, and it actually sounded really spectacular. Now, this race here in Hong Kong should be very cool because the trails here are absolutely amazing. Some people actually recognize trail running here as sort of a national sport because the trails are so amazing. This event will be about 14K, and it'll include a 1.2K swim, and a 1.3k swim, and then all the rest of it will be trail running. One thing that's cool about these races is there's no transition. So it's not like a triathlon in that sense. You need to run, swim, run, swim with no transition. So whatever you start with, you need to finish with. So you must swim with your shoes. As you might imagine, there's some special gear and toys being developed specifically for the sport. They're going to be selling them out there on race day, but you don't have to have it on your first trial, just like you didn't need to have your super fancy aero bike on your first triathlon. So they actually held four races in Hong Kong last year, um, and they had between 100 and 150 competitors in each race. So it's really taking off. So the organizer of the race is Terramar, and you've probably seen them doing trail run races as well as kayak and run races. And the sponsor of the race is Beyond the Line. They're a endurance coaching company here in Hong Kong. Now, I'm going to put links to everything for the race in the show notes and blog if you're interested in checking it out, as well as the two companies that are putting the event on. So please show the sponsors a little bit of love. If you like a little bit of adventure, if you like a little swimming and running, especially trail running, I think you're really going to enjoy this event. So check it out. And a couple more quick announcements. Uh, We're doing multiple shows per week now. I'm sure you've noticed we're releasing shows more often. Um, So I'm pleased we're getting enough guests and enough content now that we wanted to do multiple shows per week. And we're going to start out with two shows per week and sort of see how that goes. We've got lots of really great guests coming up. So really excited for the future of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Boost Health TV. Yes, another exciting new addition to the Boost Health lineup is the addition of video recording of the podcast. I thought it'd be neat when I have a guest live in the room with me to do a video of the show in case folks want to watch us. And it'll also give us the opportunity if there's a demonstration for a topic such as this is how to do a squat, for example. It should be launching in the next few weeks, so I'll keep you posted on when the video podcast is going to roll out. 
and newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for the weekly boost newsletter, then that's just sad. <laughs> you need to get with the program. Now you can do so by simply entering your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way you won't miss any Boost Health news. All right, now on with the program. This is the second episode of a three-part series with Anna Woods, the founder of She Strength. Now remember, she coaches her clients through her online platform and community, as well as in her awesome barn gym office in rural Kansas. She focuses a lot of her energy in empowering women and coaching special needs individuals, which I think is just awesome. Now in this episode, Anna and I discuss women in the weight room, giving our clients the tools they need to execute on their own, intra-abdominal pressure, what does that mean? The power of a dead bug, and mobility. Okay, here is part two with Anna Woods. I literally have several who have been in there for two or three years now who live in different states but like met the summer and I have some who have never met or just recently met at my barn and they live in different parts of the state and came and met at the barn this summer for the first time um, and talk every day about life, family, husbands, whatever it might be. So it's amazing to see the relationships build outside of fitness, but start with the shoe strength community. Um, there's, there's several of us training for their very first weightlifting competition in December. And there's probably 18 of us from my shoe strength squad going, but there's only three that live here. The rest live in all different parts of the state or states close to us. So we're all quote training together via our online community, doing the same workouts, pushing each other, even though we're not standing next to each other in the gym. Um, and so my goal when I started this was to recreate the culture of the CrossFit community that I was a part of and the, the lifelong friends that I still have in a virtual setting. And so trying to maintain as much of that personal touch as you can via computer. I always say my friends are all in my computer. <laughs> yeah. um, it's hard. Like there's, it's really hard to recreate that when you're not getting personal touch which is where my classes come in and where I encourage people to drop in when they come through. Um, but I think a big part of it is setting those expectations from the beginning, that this is a welcoming group, that we're all dealing with things. Sharing vulnerabilities out loud um, is a key part of that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. I encourage people to check her out. We read books in my group together based off her stuff. I have her YouTube videos in there that we talk about a lot um, because I feel like vulnerability is the biggest gateway to trust and encouragement and empathy and courage and motivation. Um, and so my approach is very different than typical fitness programs as far as we come in and let's go straight to the struggles and, and get them out there and move through them. And then we can be stronger in the weight room instead of coming in with, I need to know your max numbers. I need to know what body weight you want to get to. I need to know your body fat percentage. We don't even talk about those things literally for the first month, probably. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like if I get your mindset right and I can get you integrated in my community, the rest of those issues will take care of themselves um, if you're empowered to make good choices. So 100% community is everything to me as far as this program goes. And I like that you mentioned that you don't have to be just down the road 
in Kansas to be part of the She Strength community. You know, this show has a fairly global reach and I would encourage you to join She Strength, even if you're not in in Kansas. Now, obviously, if you're rolling through Kansas, you got to stop by and go to one of Anna's classes, but you don't have to be in Kansas to to be part of the community. The, the tools that you have that are part of your application are really fantastic and you really can do a lot online now. Obviously, queuing one on one with somebody in person is, you know, pretty irreplaceable. But I mean, I've watched a few of your videos and I've learned like I, I want to talk about this breathing technique that you have here in just a second. I, I'm excited sure. to hear more about that. But I, I want to talk about your community. So just to be clear uh, that you only work with with females, is that right? I don't. I actually work with men too. The okay. majority of my clientele is women though. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, she strength is all women. Cause I have men that follow the programming. They just don't want she strength logo on their phones. <laughs> to <laughs> that they're following she strength. I've actually had multiple requests to put a men's program together. So that's probably in the works, but out at the barn here, I do have some male clients that I work with and some that I coach online. They're just not part of our she strength community or squad or anything. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you can, I mean, I've seen your workouts. They're killer. I mean, I, <laughs> any, any male or female that wants to be challenged, will will get that from, from Anna. That is no question, but the she strength community specifically is, is female, which, which makes sense. Right. Um, I want to talk about women and fitness for a second. So I, started personal training. This shows my age about 20 years ago, a long time yeah. when I was starting in, in university. And I remember at least at that time, I had lots of women who really were very concerned that they were going to, you know, quote unquote, put on too much muscle mass if they lifted weights. And mm-hmm. I, I had to spend a lot of time convincing them that it's actually going to help make them leaner. It's going to make them more functionally fit, more athletic. They're going to feel better. They're going to feel stronger, et cetera. And it's interesting nowadays, it doesn't seem like I have to convince women at all to lift weights. They, they understand the the benefits of it. Um, my question to you is, well, a couple questions, I guess, is this, is this happening as a product of education and fitness and wellness? Like, are we, we all doing a good job in the fitness and wellness industry and educating to bust this myth and, and, or is it like better access to information with the internet or, or even do you still see this as an issue what, what's your take? That's a great question. Probably a combination of both. I think personally it's, I guess the okay image of being strong and muscled is become more accepting um, by men and women that, being strong actually can be pretty cool and also Mm -hmm. empowering um, and that it's okay to have muscles. I think we've kind of transformed a little bit in our image and view of muscles on a woman, not being so negative. Um, I think weightlifting, I think CrossFit, I think Olympic weightlifting, and I think some major influencers in the fitness industry have helped kind of bring that to the forefront of empowering women that it's okay to be strong and look strong and have muscles. Um, but I also think, yeah, there's been, I think there's been good education on how people get big and bulky and that it's not your, your average female. Most women I work with don't eat nearly enough to even begin to build the muscle that a lot of our typical bodybuilder image from back in the eighties and (laughs) nineties. Exactly. 
created for exactly. us. Like everyone thinks you pick up a dumbbell, you're going to look like that. Absolutely not true. <laughs> right. Oh, vein in the abs just out of nowhere. Right. I think <laughs> education has come a long way and people realizing that's not true and right. not the case. Probably a combination of both. I, I agree. You're, we're not uh, solely looking at uh, muscle and fitness magazines for our education on, uh, on, on fitness anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I saw a, an interesting interview you did with PFP where you mentioned that most of the women in your area don't have access to gyms. You know, they're sort of in a rural area and, um, so they don't have the equipment they need. Um, they don't have community centers. So you're helping them get confidence and find a safe way to lift weights in their garages or barns like you have or basements. And I, I just love this. I really, really do. Um, and I think perhaps, you know, one of our most important jobs as a fitness trainer is to help our clients establish enough knowledge and body awareness and confidence to perform these workouts. If we're not there, if I'm a good trainer, I'm going to cue these things over and over and over again until I'm in your head, even when I'm not there. And so, uh, just this summer, I was working with a young woman here in Hong Kong at our gym here in our building. And, uh, my main goal, I wanted her to, I obviously wanted her to get stronger while I was working with her, but the whole time I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to ra- uh, rack and unrack the weights for you. I'm going to have you do this and I'm, I'm going to teach you this cue, but on the second set, I'm going to have you try to do it on your own because when, when she walked into her student gym and she was away in the U S going to school now, I wanted her to navigate her workout without any concerns at all. No, no worries about what's going on around her. She knows she's going in there. She's doing the exact right thing. Cause I'm, I'm in her head. What are, and I, I know you do this too. You have to, to, to get your folks operational when, when they're not with you in the barn. So what are some of the tactics and tools you use? Obviously I've seen you on social media, but other than that, to, to get your clients to be successful when you're not with them. I love that you do that. I never thought about teaching racking and re-racking the weights. I'm going to have to remember that because that's something you take (laughs) for granted when you do it all day long. Um, That's a really cool tip. I like that. Um, For me, it's mindset. Um, We talk a lot about, like I said a little bit earlier, I feel like if I can empower them to make themselves a priority, to set boundaries around their health, to communicate to those around them, this is their new priority, um, to give themselves permission that it's okay to work on yourself and actually you're going to be a better person when you do spend time on yourself first, that that empowerment, just clicking that on in their mind actually empowers them to pursue it on their own. Like I always Mm -hmm. tell people when they start with me, my goal is that you don't need me for life. I want to be friends for life. I don't want to be your trainer for life. My goal is to give you the tools to where this becomes part of your daily routine And so for me, if I can get the mindset right, they're going to be confident enough to make the decisions to continue and to make the decision to walk into that men dominated side of the weight room. Mm -hmm. Like I always feel like I have made it with a client when I get a text that says we're on vacation and I lifted weights in the weight room section and there was no other women over there. Or I have a college student. She's lost like 60 or 70 pounds now, freshman year at Arkansas. And she said, I, last year, there is no way I would have even walked in the weight room. But now I'm over there. I grab the dumbbells I need. I go to my bench. I do my setup. I realize the guys in that weight room care a lot less about what I'm doing than I used to think they did. Uh, and I get in and get out. 
You know, I had um, probably one of my most favorite stories is I had a lady. She's been training with me all summer. She's in her 50s. She recently lost her husband. Um, she's a school custodian. She has been for like 20 years. And she told me recently after we've been training for several months, she's like, you know what? I have cleaned that high school weight room for 20 some years. I have gone in, not even turned the lights on in the weight section. I just go dust, sweep, do my thing and leave. And she said, for the first time ever, I walked in there, I turned the lights on in the weight room and I walked around and I touched the barbell and the dumbbells and I walked through the squat rack and I thought, I know what to do with all of this equipment in here. And I could do a weight workout at any point now. And she said, and then I walked off, switched the light off and left. But I just had this realization of, I'm not scared of this place anymore, or it doesn't intimidate me. I actually could do anything in here if I wanted. Um, and she's like, I don't think I'm ready yet to do it by myself. But just realizing I had the okay in my mind that I could was huge for me. And so that is probably the standing point for me that I drive across with all my clients is if I empower you with the mindset and give you the okay, then I feel like they're good to go with whatever decision they want to pursue from there. Um, as far as fitness and health goes. So. That's uh, such a cool story. Thank you for, for sharing that. And that's a good point. You know, um, I guess I hadn't really ever thought of it that way. I mean, I know there's the, <laughs> there's the stereotypical guys that, uh, you know, are screaming and grunting and being ridiculous. And I'm sure that's maybe not necessarily intimidating, but certainly probably annoying. And um, it could probably yeah. put a few <laughs> women off. Um, and they might just not smell very good either. Who, who knows? But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, I mean, besides just the cueing, besides just, you know, understanding how to hinge at the hips and, you know, drive through the glute and all that kind of stuff. It's also about helping women just get in the, the right mindset, the right headspace to, to go in there and, and attack it. That's, that's a really cool way to, to do it. Yeah. Speaking I feel like of, if they have that mindset, then they're going to get on YouTube or they're going to research themselves how to do that deadlift correctly, or they're going to have the confidence to ask me then. Right. And then that's just another sign that I know we've, we've stepped over that hurdle of now they're pursuing it. And that's huge for me. And then at that point, then we can get into the nitty gritty of the lifts and that sort of thing. That's yeah, that's really good. All right. There's this one cue that I've seen you give on IG a few times that I want to ask about because I want, I want to master this. It sounds really cool. Um, and I, I think one of the exercises that it's probably really effective for that I might be using it on just not knowing it is dead bug. Um, yes. <clears throat> so you'd use this, you, you've actually said it's called the 360 degree, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, 360 degree expansion of the breath around the transverse abdominal muscles. Say that five times fast, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you're passionate about this. I, I like that. And I've heard something kind of like this in Pilates before, uh, where you sort of push your rib cage out and it, while you're inhaling, sort of expanding there. But what, what exactly do you mean by this and how can we master this? Sure. So backstory on that, um, we call it intra-abdominal pressure. I call it IAP for short. I did not create this term. I actually, um, there's a whole backstory to this, but I learned this through, it's called DNS, Dynamic Neuromuscular Stability. I rented space from a doctor, a chiropractor and his wife in, in Wichita, just to coach nutrition out of. 
Um, and I was training for some Olympic weightlifting at the time, but I had this nagging shoulder injury that like it got really painful to where I couldn't hardly reach up and grab a cup out of the pantry. So I asked him if he could look at my shoulder one day. Um, and he did some assessments on it and he just could not figure out I had some really weird symptoms. And so I ended up having an MRI done, consulted with, um, him, the car, the team chiropractor for the St. Louis Cardinals and some of the others, he's a throwing specialist. And I had some really weird injuries. Like I had what's called a Hillsacks lesion and I had a glenohumeral avulsion. Essentially at some point in my life, I have dislocated my shoulder and, created these two injuries, but have been able for probably 15 or 16 years, maybe been able to maintain joint health through strength and just being a master overcompensator. <laughs> so right. as I've gotten older, obviously those issues come to a head. And so he encouraged me not to have surgery. Cause I was like, great, now I got to go and have this repaired. And he, these two, this Dr. Shoemaker, Jared Shoemaker from In Motion Spine Muscle Joint is who I actually work in the office of. He's become a good friend and we train together now, but, um, he worked with me. We're coming up on a year and his philosophy is using dynamic neuromuscular stability. You can recreate a pattern from the brain communicating to the joint around pain. And the concept is you use developmental kinesiology. So from zero to 12 months, we learn how to breathe beautifully. We learn how to do this intra-abdominal pressure perfectly and then from 12 months on because our parents push us to walk too quickly we sit other environmental factors we lose this ability to breathe in the 360 degree expansion we become chest breathers or we become only in the front belly breathers or we lift our rib cage when we inhale and exhale we we lose our lumbar spine we we extend our lumbar spine when we're standing we push our butt back um, and so all of these things are repatterned into our brain, which creates what we call joint decentration. So when you cannot intra-abdominally pressurize, the brain does not feel stable, feel stable in a joint. It cannot communicate stability to a joint is what I'm trying to say. So the breathing is key to joint health in our extremities. And so the idea is that you can intra-abdominally pressurize, create stability communication to the brain and the brain will allow the joint to move through a full range of motion safely. So his concept for me was that I really stunk at intra-abdominal pressurizing. I could only breathe to the front and I could only brace to the front. When he asked me to do a squat and brace 360 degrees in my core, I could not brace through my back or my obliques to the side. I could only brace to the front. And he explained to me how that pattern through inability to to structurally brace 360 degrees was creating joint decentration, was creating instability in my shoulders. Therefore, whenever I would lift, my shoulders were coming forward and pushing that glenohumeral joint further out of place, which was creating, quote, pain. So for the last year, I have been learning how to 360 degree expansion breathe through my transverse abdominals, creating pressure intra-abdominally, which then creates the communication to the brain that there's stability in a joint and I can say now I can do all of the stuff I was doing before completely pain-free because I've recreated this neural pathway from my brain to my shoulder in a healthy pattern of communication. I've worked around it. And so it basically starts with going back to developmental kinesiology positions. Like you literally go, back, the dead bug is what we call zero to three months. If you pay attention to a baby at zero to three months, they're doing dead bug all day long. 
Um, they bring their feet up, they bring their arms up in the air, their low backs pressed against the floor, and they're intra-abdominally pressurizing amazingly well. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and we can all do those things because those neural pathways are created in us from zero to 12 months. We just lose that communication over time. So my goal when I work with a client that has pain is recreating that neural pathway. We have to, I always tell them we have to get the cobwebs out um, and open that back up again. And the cool thing is, is usually people can pick it up pretty quickly because again, that pathway's already been created at birth. We just got to find it again. And so once we can get them to enter abdominally pressurize well, then we can move core to extremities and start addressing further developmental positionings, like four and a half months, five months, six to nine months positions, and start creating a deeper pathway to create joint centration and work around that pain, essentially. So there's a whole package deal with that answer, but in the <laughs> short term version, that intra-abdominal pressure has been an absolute game changer for me on the shoulder and my shoulder health. Cause this time last year I was getting ready to have a major surgery. I was not going to be able to lift overhead ever again. I mm. was not going to be able to have the range of motion I have now because of the kind of surgery I was going to need. And I computing was pretty much over with for me. Um, and instead I chose to go this route, um, using what I call dynamic neuromuscular stability, DNS, um, Dr. Shoemaker has worked with me weekly for this last year, helping me figure out how to do this. And I'm going to do a comp in December and I feel great. Um, and it all started with learning how to breathe 360 degrees. <laughs> wow. Core, so, you know, you know, well, this, this teaches us a lot, but one of the most simple things that this, uh, <laughs> I guess reestablishes or reminds me of is, when you think that you have a strong understanding of human physiology, then you learn something like this. <laughs> it just makes you, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know, because that's just, it's a whole area of human physiology and biology that I just don't have a strong understanding of. It's really, really cool. I've had to go back and delete videos that I made before because the <laughs> was horrible. <laughs> this has been changed right. my whole philosophy of training. Um, and I, like, I tell him all the time, I can't thank him enough or give him enough credit for walking into my life at that point. Um, cause it's been a game changer absolutely for me and for my clients too. So, okay. So I'm obviously passionate about it too, because it's been a transforming part of my life personally. So, well, it's definitely come up uh, on your feed and I, I was intrigued. That's why I wanted to ask about it. So just just to help us get started, obviously, I think you need to work with a professional and and put a lot of time in based on what you said. But yes, tell me if this is a good example or not. And please don't be shy if it's a terrible example, but dead bug, <laughs> dead bug, like it could be you can do a thousand repetitions of it and not feel a thing. Or if if you're doing this interabdominal pressure like you're talking about and really drive your back into the ground and f and and flex your core and almost like you're when you're bringing your leg down and you're bringing your arm down it's almost like it's you're trying to fight yourself and bringing them down that that's if you do three or four like that it's like one of the best core exercises you can do and i, I think that's because you're successfully executing what you're talking about, but, but tell me if I'm way off there. Yes. No, I think you're correct. I would say if you intra-abdominally pressurize, what people tend to do is try to over muscle it. And the crazy thing about intra-abdominal pressure is you almost have to relax into it. 
But oh. because you're activating all like these myofascial slings and you're activating pelvic floor and you're bringing the rib cage connected to the pelvic floor and your hips are externally rotated, like you're working such intense intrinsic muscles and nerves, you're going to shake like crazy. So you act, you kind of resist against that, which is creating the contraction of the movement. Um, I always tell people like I barely can do 10 yes. when I get everything activated and all of the core connected, I'm shaking like crazy and it is so intensely hard because in the same time, you've got to try to breathe within that core bracing, which makes it intense as well. Um, so when I tell people, I literally coach DNS on breaths, like, all right, we're going to try to get two breaths in this dead bug position and they're like two that's it <laughs> and then we get right. in there and they're like whoa yeah like whoa you know they could barely get to two so yeah it's, it reminds yeah, me a lot a of experience. like um <clears throat> i don't know if you've played around with eldoa at all but um like the uh oh gosh i believe it's the l5 s2 stretch where you're basically laying on your back and you have your legs up on a wall and you you internally rotate at the hip and you keep your legs straight and you tuck your chin into your chest and you bring your arms up straight and you pull your wrist back. And so you're doing like 75,000 different things and then you yeah. have to breathe on top of it. <laughs> it's just yes. like, but, but to your point, yeah, it's, it's when you, when you have all of those things going on and you add the breath to it, it, it makes it that much more difficult. It does. But the hope is that the carryover is to everything else. Like people don't make the connection that dead bug is you in a squat. Like I tell people, I'm like, you're just using the floor for your spinal stability. Oh, My like goal that. for you is that you can breathe and maintain this position. I put you up on your feet and the carryover, nothing changes. Um, and so once people can realize that dead bug is you in a parallel squat, then when I put them on their feet, they're like, Oh, okay. Now I see what you're saying here. And it's a whole lot harder when you take the floor away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have to try to maintain that spinal stability on uh, your own. That's a so. good way to, to, to picture it. Uh, th I think this is a good segue to mobility. Um, I I'm kind of embarrassed to say I'm a, I'm a, I like to say I'm a new passenger on the mobility train. Yeah. Um, so my friend and I were doing a cycling race a few months ago. And uh, for whatever reason, he just felt like he needed to show me that he could do a pistol squat, like a beautiful, absolutely perfect, no flaws, both sides, all the way down, all the way up pistol squat. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And I didn't really know how impressive that was until I tried to perform one myself week after week after week unsuccessfully. And then I was like, all right, why, why is this so hard for me? You know, I've been strength yeah. training for 25 years. I'm pretty flexible. I have good body awareness. I didn't realize that this whole mobility movement was really a discipline of its own. And as you know, with CrossFit, um, you know, Kelly star, Kelly star at K star uh -huh. and mobility. Watt. I mean, a huge part, uh, he's got his own CrossFit box and everything out in San Fran. So yeah. everybody knows K star, but <clears throat> this whole mobility movement, thanks, thanks to him and others, uh, is huge. And I, I, th I think I've sort of danced around it with other things that I've done, but I've never really done it focused until, really the last couple of months. And, um, I just posted today. I was so stoked. I did uh, a squat press with more weight than I've be ever been able to do. Um, and, and it's the only variable that I've added is mobility. Nice. Yeah. It's just, nice. I'm just doing squat holds in a couple of other, like a 90, 90 stretch and a couple other mobility moves every day. 
And all of a sudden, because I can go through the a further end range of motion, now I can handle more resistance. It's amazing. So huge lead in, long lead in. Um, I assume that you think mobility is important. How do you use it in your programs? And what are some of your faves in the mobility movements? I guess I have a mixed answer. I've honestly gotten a little bit away from as much mobility and working more focused on stability. So um, thoracic, I spent a ton of time lacrosse ball, foam roller, some DNS positionings that open up the thoracic spine. And I spend a whole lot more time trying to help people realize how to stabilize through that joint, which again, ties right back in intra-abdominal pressure. Um, but I see a lot of foot um, issues too, like people have really, really tight feet because they've either the way they walk because of pain, because of rolling out on their outside of their feet when they squat all the time. Um, probably the two I spend the most on are feet, thoracic spine, and hips. I would say a lot of dorsiflexion issues again, but again, they all tend to tie right back to their inability to intra-abdominally pressurize correctly. Once they can do that, it creates stability in the hip flexors and the erectors and takes care of itself essentially. But probably hips and T-spine will probably be the two I spend the most time on with people just because it's job related, um, sitting, a lot of sitting. Yeah. T-spine is interesting, isn't it? Like, I think one of my favorite mobility stories is uh, has some clients um, that they had their parents in town um, and their parents are from India and um, live in India. And basically, as history has shown us, if you toilet on the ground and if you sleep on the ground and if you eat on the ground, you don't have this incidence of disc disease, back problems that we have, like we have in Western yeah. culture. And, um, so I typically will do a mobility screening with folks before I get started in training. And they were joining us this summer in some training. And I said, okay, let's see what we have. Let's find the bottom of our squat today. Let's see, let's see where the bottom of the squat is today. And, uh, these folks are both in their seventies, mom and dad. And I tell you what, straight to the ground, bottom, basically touching the ground arms above their head. I, I was absolutely floored, absolutely floored. I was unbelievable. And that just, it just shows you, you know, the whole saying, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. I mean, right. if, if you're doing this every single day, multiple times a day, and you've been doing it your whole life and you're not sitting at a chair hunched over looking at your computer or phone all day long, you're not, you're not battling against this. And gosh, I mean, I've been working on my mobility for, like I said, for a couple of months now, and I can, I can do yeah. a, f a fair at best, uh, squat hold, but I try to put my arms above my head and it's pretty sad. It is pretty yeah. dang sad. My thoracic right is a mess, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but, but what I'm trying to treat it like is it's like a game. It's like, okay, I know if I work on this, I I've already gotten stronger. So I, I'm, I'm already seeing pretty fast rewards. So I, I want to stick with it and and, and see if I can get better. And obviously I'll no, never go back to, to, to not doing mobility movements. Just For sure. very clear. You just get, it feels good. It does. I always feel like mobility with corrective exercise. One needs to go hand in hand with the other because you, you can mobilize all day long, but if you come back to the gym tomorrow and you're right back where you were on tightness, hmm. then something in your movement in day to day is recreating that same tightness. And so we have to figure out, like you just said, 
what's creating that because you can only mash tissue for so long. You've got to do something to help improve the positioning as well. So. Okay, we will stop there for part two with a cliffhanger for the third and final episode. Now make sure to listen to part three where Anna and I have a healthy debate on foam rolling. Anna tells us some stories and amazing results she's had with her special needs clients, some mental wellness tactics, and how Anna finds her balance. Don't miss it. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you very much to Anna Woods for joining me on the show today. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in your podcast app. And you can follow my workouts and boost health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for My Boost Health. You can also visit Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. And until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Anna Woods saying goodbye and find, find your, your balance. balance.